This month, the podcast is sponsored by Dame, the award-winning sustainable period products company. Dame's mission is to make periods positive, making sustainable options that are better for us and the planet. Dame launched the world's first reusable tampon applicator made with self-sanitizing technology and tampons that are 100% organic cotton, as well as toxin and plastic free. Because of this, 80% of Dame's customers have reported less irritation, less cramping and shorter and lighter periods after three cycles. But if tampons aren't your thing, then they've got you covered with their reusable pads, which are thinner, drier, softer and greener than any of the disposable options. What's crazy is 1.3 billion disposable tampon applicators are thrown away in the UK every year and a pack of single-use pads has up to four plastic bags worth of plastic in them. Dame's concept is so simple and it's high time we all do our bit to save the planet and use less plastic. Since launching their reusable applicator, Dame have avoided over 12 million single-use applicators being thrown away and counting. Beyond their products, Dame are also working hard to make the world a better place for those who bleed with body and mind empowerment, ending period shame through starting and normalizing conversations. So go and give them a follow on Instagram at Dame for Good to find out more. So if you're keen to give Dame's products a try, and we highly recommend that you do, then we've kindly been given a discount code for 25% off their products. Just head to www.wearedame.co and use code RECOS25. All details are in the show notes. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Kirsty Capes to chat about her new book, Love Me, Love Me Not. We loved her last book, Careless, which was long listed for this year's Women's Prize. And we're understandably very excited to read her latest. We also chat a little bit about the Women's Prize, which you can all imagine we were quite giddy about. Welcome to the Book Crackers podcast, Kirsty. We're absolutely thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I feel like I'm meeting celebrities. <laughs> Um, that's just made my year (laughs) Um, so let us start then with your latest book Kirsty please can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your wonderful new book Love Me Love Me Not is all about yes so Love Me Love Me Not is about Lucy who is 26 years old she lives in South London with um, a bunch of flatmates and um, she's kind of um prickly and awkward and she finds it quite difficult to get on with other people um and she thinks she has this perfect life she's got like you know the perfect job um she's got all of these wonderful friends and um, she has a really busy social calendar um and she's got the perfect boyfriend and then she finds out that she's adopted and basically her whole life sort of starts to crumble around her And she realises that all of the things that she thought mattered to her, the job, the social life, the boyfriend, don't really matter at all. And she basically has to start from scratch and, you know, find out who she is and what she wants and what matters to her. Um, And that's the kind of journey that we go on with Lucy Mm. through Love Me, Love Me Not. 
And I'd love to talk a bit more on Lucy. Um, she's, I actually saw a lot of myself in her, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because she's very particular and it sometimes comes across as quite like blunt and rude, but she does hold her hands up and say, sorry, I'm not very good at talking to people. So like at the start of the book, I, I struggled to warm to her, but was also like, oh God, is that what I'm like? But by the end of the book, like adored her and yeah. ended up like loving her for all those traits yeah. and um I just wondered like what the inspiration was for Lucy because she's not a conventional character because mm. you know when you put someone in a box you think oh they're shy they must behave like this but actually yeah. they she has all these other things she's not a stereotypical character so I wonder if you could talk a bit more about the decision of creating her and how yeah. you did that yeah so I mean it's really interesting that you say that because I've had I've heard so many other people say oh my god I saw a lot of myself in her (laughs) like lots of my friends who were like you know sort of women in their 20s so you know I think maybe I'm onto something there (laughs) but um I think you know the inspiration for her when I started out I don't think I was consciously trying to write a story about like an unlikable character you know changing the reader's mind about her Mm. I don't think that's what I was I wasn't consciously trying to do that I didn't sit down and think you know I'm going to write an unlikable narrator Mm. but I kind of as I was going along you know I knew that Lucy had to sort of have these certain traits because the stuff that I wanted to talk about was you know feeling which was very much like what I was feeling when I was writing the book which is like feeling lonely feeling very you know out of sync with your friends or out of sync with um you know the people in your life when you're in your 20s and I was also when I started writing this book I just started living alone for the first time I've never lived alone before and I started living alone and um it was the third lockdown you know like the really awful one over the winter Yeah. yeah and I was just like in a really weird headspace and I think a lot of that translated into Lucy's character on the page um where a lot of the way a lot of the the things that I was feeling at that time where you know I was feeling alone and kind of feeling like I uh, you know that my you know maybe like my friends were kind of more distant from me than they ever had been before and that kind of stuff because of like those you know the fact that we were living through a plague um (laughs) like (laughs) I think that's that all went into Lucy's character and then you know I've I like I was workshopping it with like my writer friends as I was writing it and a lot of the feedback was like oh I really really don't like Lucy (laughs) and I was like shit have I just written like (laughs) a horrible person and she's I was like, no, horrid. this is well, this no. is it, isn't it? It's like she's she comes across as very unlikable and like I think, you know, you can see that in how the other characters really, you know, struggle to relate jar. to her yeah. and jar with her. But on the inside, it's like there's this person that's trying to get out, but she doesn't have like the skills yeah. to yeah. express what she's feeling on the inside outwardly. And that's how I felt as well. So I kind of leaned into that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, OK, I need to take this character on a journey um, and help her kind of, you know, learn to love herself, learn to be yeah. happy in her own company, which is kind of what I was trying to do at the yeah, same yeah. time. So there was definitely like a parallel there. 
yeah. I think we've all got a Lucy in us, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very clever so. title as well. Love me, love me not. You know, you either yeah. like Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, she's someone who is also clever in the way that maybe she feels no one loves her. But actually, as the book goes on, there are lots of people that do. And she does have really yeah. great people around her. Yeah, exactly. And I think we we all do that, don't we? Where we're like we're prone to thinking the worst of the people around us we're prone to thinking like you know to assume the worst in other people's intentions and a lot of the time Mm. you know it's not the case at all and yeah that's me and Lucy we're we're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly and that's something that I really took away from the book as well because it, it it just really brings home that the voice inside your head is always far meaner than anybody else's Mm. and if you were to say those what's going on in your head out loud you know one that you're way meaner about yourself than anyone else could possibly be about you in their own heads but two everyone would be like what the hell are you on about like yeah absolutely yeah um I really love the part where um Lucy buys a paddling pool (laughs) and she gets sun loungers for each of her flatmates and it's one of those moments where she sort of says well she never really knows how to toe the line and or whether something that she's done is really great and really nice or absolutely awful and everybody hates her she she's she never really knows it's either one or the other so when she gets her flatmate these presents and they almost like pause to digest what she's done. And in that pause, she thinks, oh, fuck, everybody hates me. I've gone way over the line. But actually, they're just pausing because it was the nicest thing to do. And they were all absolutely made up and delighted. And I loved that scene so much. And how at the end of it, they're all just sat on sun lounges in a little concrete patio and you've got the sound of drilling from the road and you've got Fleetwood Mac on the radio and for all of its imperfections it is the perfect evening and the moment that they really bonded as a threesome as well yeah oh that's so lovely I really like that you liked that bit that's one of my favorite bits as well what was I was gonna say (laughs) what it was your favorite scene to write well, I loved that one because if I felt like that was really like the turning point in that yes. that, that friendship, because up to that point, there's been a lot of like, um, you know, disconnect between the three of them there. You know, Lucy feels like she can't relate to either of them, but also, you know, they're all saying things and then they're being misinterpreted by one yeah. another. So like the friendship is not really like that solid. And then that's the first time that the three of them, Lucy, um, Cam and Ash spend time together Mm. and it's like that's that's where they really start to become true friends I think so I just I really loved writing that actually and I think probably the other the other stuff I really enjoyed was just all of the Winston stuff oh my god (laughs) 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 which was really self-indulgent because (laughs) I have a golden retriever and I'm obsessed with him and is he I'm, called Winston no he's called Doug I was like I can't I can't right. just like you know do a self-insert for my dog but like um, uh so I really wanted to write a dog um into the book and actually what I really wanted to do was um, my publicist when we were talking about doing 
you know press and writing articles and stuff for my first book careless she was like oh have you got any ideas about you know what you would like to write you know have you got like any interesting angles that we could pitch out to newspapers and stuff and I was like well I would really love to write something about how I found my dog Doug and she was like that's great but like that hasn't really got anything to do with the book (laughs) so I was like oh okay maybe I'll just write it anyway (laughs) and I really was like I really want to write something about my dog so then I like was a bit sort of like strategic and was like okay if I write a dog into my second book maybe I'm going to be able to come on podcasts and talk about my dog (laughs) and just keep bringing the dog out to all the exactly (laughs) Doug got his moment in the the sun (laughs) how did you make did did you meet your dog then? Meet so dog. I found I so Lucy finds Winston uh, in at the Imperial War Museum, and he's just running around on his on his own. Um, I don't want to. I'll do like top line because I don't want to do too many spoilers. But um, yeah, so she she finds Winston at the Imperial War Museum, and she basically he like follows her home, and then she's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess I have a dog now. Um, <laughs> And I found Doug in the road when I was um, driving home from uni like five years ago. And um, he was just like running in and out of traffic. So I also took him home. And to be fair, he wasn't following me. I was like, I'm taking you home. (laughs) So I was definitely more of the perpetrator. (laughs) But um, yeah, so and, you know, he he we took him to the vet. He wasn't he wasn't chipped. Yeah. and we were gonna sort of like you know give him give him to like a a dog charity you know RSPCA Battersea whatever and we had another dog um a German Shepherd who was a girl and we were basically like okay well if if they don't get on he can't stay because yeah you know she was here first and stuff Mm -hmm. and Lily our, our other dog German Shepherd she hates all other dogs but she really liked Doug (laughs) so I was like okay is this a sign and after like a week of having him there we kind of sat down as a family and we were like there is no reason for us to give this dog up so then he just stayed forever I love that that's the best cute meat ever yeah Yeah. I know I I feel like it was really properly fate yeah um so yeah now we're like best mates so yeah, I very self-indulgently was like, I have to put a dog into the book. And rightly so. I mean, it yeah. brought a bit of magic to the book. We loved yeah. it. <laughs> we as soon it. as I got to that bit, I was like, Jess, there's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and does this mean that Winston is your favourite character? Because there's loads of great characters oh. in this book that are all so different. Did you have a favourite to write? Um, well, I really loved Winston, of course. Yeah. Um, I really liked giving him a voice like there's moments where he like says stuff to Lucy and it's like he's obviously not saying stuff to Lucy but he's just like imagine like she's kind of imagining what he would say in that situation and he became a bit of like a sort of sage in that way which I really liked but I think probably I really like I really liked writing her flatmates Ash and Cam Mm -hmm. so when I first started the book um, like way way back in like the very early like drafts of it I was going to do three perspectives I was going to do oh, okay. Ash and Cam like multiple perspectives for each of them and then as I you know I got sort of like 10 or 15,000 words in and I was like oh this is Lucy's story 
um okay, so yeah. you know I went back and I rewrote it just from Lucy's perspective but I think because I did that work with Ash and Cam and I did that writing from their perspectives they felt really real to me yeah. in the same mm-hmm. way that Lucy did um so you know I felt I, I feel like they're my friends you know yeah um, so I think definitely those two um, yeah I want Ash's wardrobe as well oh yeah do you know Ooh, Ash's wardrobe yeah is based on a couple of my friends who um also dress outrageously um <laughs> in the best way possible in the best way possible yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so one question I did have for you was I noticed you chose not to use quotation marks within within the book mm. would you mind sharing with us a little bit about the reason behind that yeah so I think so you know when I wrote my first book Careless I didn't use quotation marks in that either and initially it was because I was basically trying to emulate a couple of other authors because I they didn't do it and I thought it was really cool and I was like oh this is going to make it seem like you know a bit different and like you know maybe a bit more literary da, da, da. and it, I just found like the the device really interesting and then the more I thought about it the more I was like actually this really works for the character because the character is very isolated mm. um it's a first person perspective careless and the main character feels very trapped feels very isolated and actually the quotation marks makes it feel like she's living in her own mm. head um like nothing is real and that really worked for her um and then when I came to love me love me not I kind of thought about it and I considered not using I considered using quotation marks because I was like well it's a different book and you know the characters are different um and then I think similarly with Lucy um she's like a very very lonely character Mm -hmm. and again it, it felt like it worked for her not to have quotation marks because it kind of like brings this like surreal quality to her experience um where you're not quite sure like whether what's being said is actually being said or not yeah and I think that comes becomes quite relevant as well for Lucy because she kind of is recovering memories from her childhood and she's kind of questioning her own recollection of what happened when she was a kid um so it felt important there to kind of have yeah. like that questionable side of the narrative um, as part of her experience. Um, but I think generally I quite like I quite like, you know, not using quotation marks. I feel like I'm going to make it like a bit of my a bit of a trademark for me. Now. Yeah, that, you've done it twice. I think. So, yeah, I know. I can't just switch it off now. <laughs> I started writing my third book, actually, and I'm not using quotation marks at the moment. so yeah although I might change my mind and put them back in but we will see we will see it's really weird now I'm like when I put quotation marks in some stuff it feels like wrong I don't like I'm you know I'm like grammatically incorrect or something (laughs) (laughs) equally I get what you mean because Lucy's thoughts are her biggest enemy so in a sense it doesn't matter if something's been said with quotation marks or without because for her the voice in her head and how she interprets people's language are one yeah. and the same as well so it doesn't yeah I thought exactly it was, I thought it worked really well yeah and so aside from quotation mark and adding a dog was there a big difference between writing your first book and your second book is there 
more pressure writing a second book or actually is it easier like how did the two different experiences compare literally like could not be more chalk and cheese honestly yeah so I mean like I think the main thing was like I spent like probably about five years writing my first book and I got a book deal which was amazing I'd been you know trying to get a book deal for a really long time and it was like my dreams are coming true this is the best thing ever and it was a two book deal so a lot of the time in publishing they'll you know a two book deal they'll buy the first one which is already written and they'll be like can you write another one and we'll have that one too so my deadline for the second book was obviously not five years it was like I think just over a year and so I went from being able to like luxuriate in the time and just you know like fiddle around with like you know individual sentences for like days at a time to being like okay I need to like have a word count target for the week I need to like be writing every day so and as I said again like it was the pandemic and I'd Mm. been living alone for the I'd started living alone for the first time halfway through so I think it was just a completely different experience but I think all of those things are things that make the book what it is as well Mm. you know if I'd been writing under different in a different environment or under different circumstances I think the book would have you know not been what it is um so yeah completely different between the two um I definitely prefer having more time rather than less Mm. uh now I've done it both ways maybe somewhere in between would be quite nice (laughs) um But yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of like what I was able to do with this book. And I think the other thing as well is like second book pressure is so real because Mm. you've done it once and it's like, am I a one hit wonder? Am I going to be able to do it again? And also, oh, yeah, massively. And I didn't it wasn't like I had written a bunch of books and shelved them and Careless was the one that, you know, got published. Careless was the only book I've ever written. So, you know, it was like my first book and it got published. And then I was like, fuck, now I need to do it again. <laughs> and I didn't, I, I kind of didn't believe that I could do it. I was like, well, you know, I've done, I've done it once. I'm not going to be able to do it again. And I think that it was like a, a real like personal journey, like proving to myself, okay, I can do this mm-hmm. and like I mm-hmm. can keep doing this. And it just gave me so much more confidence as a writer. Um which I didn't realize that I needed really um so yeah that was really special as well well Kirsty you're being a bit humble because Careless was shortlisted for the (laughs) women's prize it was your first book and it made it into one of the most prestigious prizes ever so the fact that you had imposter syndrome for your second book (laughs) absolutely blows my mind but equally I know you've you've achieved so much with your first book that I know must yeah. have felt like you had I mean, so much yeah. to, to it, live up to but yeah I exactly mean, yeah how was that how was it finding out that your first yeah. book and how do you find out oh my god okay I'll tell you a story so, <laughs> <laughs> so I went into my publisher's office for a meeting about love me love me not they were basically like going to present all of the campaign plans to me um so you know off I went and there was like 
a, a couple of people on Zoom who couldn't make it in, into the physical meeting and then there are a few people in the room with me. And I sat down and I was just like, oh, la, 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 you know, nice to see you all. Can't wait to hear about your yeah. plans for Love Me, Love Me Not. And then my editor, Charlotte, she was like, before we do that, we've got something to tell you. And the way she said it, I was like, oh, my God, what's happened? Something bad's <laughs> yeah. happened. Um, and then she was like, but we need to wait for everyone to get into the room because there were a few people <laughs> who hadn't got there yet. So then we had to sit there and wait. And I was like, oh, this God. is horrible. <laughs> and then she, she was like, someone like the last person walked in who needed to be there. And she was like, so you've been long listed for the women's prize. And I just looked at her and I burst oh. into bloods of tears. She like produced this huge bouquet of flowers from like oh. under the table. And they were all the flowers were the colours of the Careless oh, cover. Amazing. And oh my God, nice I was like, it was like snot it was like <laughs> shaking and she was like give, she just sort of like pulled me into a hug and then she was like I think she said to like um Helena who does the marketing for the books she looked at her and she was like she's not she's not stopping and I, <laughs> I we do have a meeting going. that we need to and then like someone had to like go and get me tissues and stuff and that, then like so like it was just like the most wonderful thing so unexpected but also at the same time like two years ago I put into my iPhone um my iPhone notes I will get long listed for the women's prize so like I've never told anyone that before I told I told Charlotte but like I feel I I don't know if I believe in manifesting but I do and I believe you manifested that (laughs) do you know yeah so like it, it was it was just like you know when you 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 hope and then you're yeah. like oh no don't hope don't get your hopes yeah. up it was like that and then it happened and oh, then I had to have this meeting about like <laughs> Amazon marketing for <laughs> love me love me not and the whole time I was just like shaking and they had like um they'd brought like buff, bucks fizz and stuff Aww. to celebrate so I was like necking bucks fizz <laughs> like I'm not listening to anything you're saying to me right now because I'm just thinking I've been long listed for the women's prize. <laughs> you have no idea what happened in that yeah. meeting, yeah. what you signed up. Just agree to everything. Exactly. I'm like, sounds great. Can you email me everything after, please? <laughs> I mean, it's unsurprising that it was yeah. long listed because it really is such an eye-opening book for what life in the care system can be like and particularly what happens when young people become of an age when they have to leave I recently um saw in the news and it like immediately made me think oh my god I'm so glad I read careless because I might not have like noticed this news story otherwise but from the 1st of July um Wales are trialing a new scheme offering a basic income to care leavers where they get um 1600 pounds a month before tax for two years and I was like oh I'm like I wish like it's just so glad that you had given us that insight mm. into what it's like and I don't think I would have read the whole news article without having read careless or even had it on my mind and I was chatting to a friend of mine who works at Action for Children and was like oh you have to read this book like I now know everything about the guest <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for writing it and yeah. it was so unsurprising that it was long listed oh yeah. thank you so much that really means a lot it's been really lovely to hear reactions to it actually and you know to hear that it's had such such a positive effect um on readers mm. so and lovely. it is a, it's a topic that you're very passionate about as well isn't it I know I think I saw 
I think it's on the opening page of Love Me, Love Me Not, that you've recently completed your PhD on care narratives and contemporary fiction yeah. under the supervision. <laughs> Quite a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's under the supervision of Bernadine Evaristo, isn't it? That I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so I mean, it was quite you know, like you say recently, but I think I actually handed my I handed my thesis in in two thousand and nineteen, and then I passed in like August twenty twenty, and I'm graduating this month. Oh, Finally, Ooh. I'm gonna get the robes. I'm gonna be really extra. I can't wait. But <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I it took me like five or six years to do, and um. I think you know I I wanted to do a PhD I wanted to write a book and so the the book Careless is part of my PhD it's start it's oh, initial amazing. it's initial like genesis was in 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 as wow. part of my PhD um and I did my masters at Bruno University where Bernadine lectures and I knew that I wanted her to supervise me to write a book and doing a PhD would be like a really good way of doing like being able to do that um so that's kind of where I started with it and then kind of as I got further through the process of like you know deciding what my topic was going to be deciding where I could like contribute something original to the to the field and all that kind of stuff I I just realized that there's so much going on in terms of like how foster care is is represented and and people who have experienced foster care have is represented not just in fiction but also in like film tv popular culture the news media massive one um and no one was really like looking at that critically um or perhaps people were and I just didn't know about them but you know (laughs) I thought that I you know that was the area where I could really like do something meaningful and then you know careless was a great way to kind of like do the work of like disrupting those narratives Mm. um hand in hand with what like the critical work was doing yeah that's amazing and um I mean I don't want we don't want to take up too much of time because this week it's publication week yeah. that we are interviewing you. Um, but I did wonder how different that feels because as we've mentioned the pandemic a few times now. I assume your careless launch, that was the like that third whatever number we were on lockdown. And then this yeah. one, we know you had your launch party last night. Is it yeah. really different <laughs> doing it virtually and in the real world? Oh my God. So yeah, completely different. So everything I did for Careless was virtual apart from like one or two things. So I didn't have a launch party per se, but I did an event for Waterstones virtually, um, which I kind of, we kind of like treated as the launch party um, and people could tune into that. And then like my mum threw like a socially distanced barbecue in her back garden and like we had, you know, however many we were allowed to have at the time come and come to the barbecue, which was really cute. But also it was kind of like, (laughs) no, it was lovely. I I loved it, but it was also like not the book I necessarily like pictured, you know, when I got the book deal. But um, so this time round, I've been able to do more stuff in person. Yeah. and as you say, I had my launch last night, which was the first time I realised. So I was fine. I was really looking forward to it. And then I realised like an hour before, this is the first event where I'm not doing it with other authors. 
all of the attention is on me and I know every single person in the room and then I was like oh shit what have I done (laughs) (laughs) why have I organized this um but oh my god it was so amazing and just like it felt like it felt like a celebration of careless as well as launching love me love me not because we never got to do that and also everyone that was in the room you know like my friends came my family came a lot of my colleagues from work came people I went to uni with one of my PhD supervisors came like it just felt like a proper like full circle moment and like an opportunity to say thank you to everyone as well for like all of the ways in which they had supported my writing like big and small Mm. it was just really special like I was running on adrenaline like all night um so yeah but you know I, I really loved it but also I really I do like to do like more of it I do still like doing virtual stuff as well like I love yeah. doing podcasts so I was delighted to be invited <laughs> yeah. to your podcast so yeah um yeah. it's nicer to do the more kind of like intimate like sort of chats as well because yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's where we get to really like you know talk about the work in like in a in a really kind of detailed way yeah. which is really good yeah. fun and dogs and dogs of <laughs> yeah. course yeah <laughs> um well we've absolutely loved having you on Kirsty, and we hope you have the best week celebrating the launch of love me love me not but before you go please can you give our listeners a book reco from yourself oh yes what have I read recently that I really liked um I would recommend um I would recommend The Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunting by Sophie Irwin. Everywhere. So this is like catnip for Bridgerton fans, right? Also, <laughs> I work at Mills and Boone. I work in marketing at Mills and Boone. And obviously historical romance, romance generally, but historical Regency romance is like our bag. <laughs> and when I saw this book come out, I was like, I have to read it. And it's just absolutely excellently done regency romance I would so recommend it it's really really good I think it's out now yeah Um, I've seen it taking over displays of books yeah 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 it's very good I would recommend okay um definitely be checking that one out yeah can I give you another one as well please I'm just like (laughs) 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 um so I would also recommend Snowflake by Louise Neelam oh good one it's a good yeah. one, isn't it? Really yeah. like it. That's my yeah. other one. It's a great audio book as well because it's all in Irish and it's Is like it? so vivid. <sighs> Do you know? Yeah. I love it. I love like a, you know, like an, like a regional accent on an audio book. Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes you listen more, doesn't it? When yeah, it's not, like the when it yeah. doesn't sound like yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kirsty. It's thank been an absolute you. joy having you on today. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This oh. has been like so lovely <laughs> such a nice way to like be on a come down after my book launch <laughs> just come and have a little chat with you guys <laughs> oh well honestly thank you so much and everybody listening when you listen to this love me love me not will be out now so please go and buy your copy Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. 
And you could always share our podcast with your reading buddy too. And if you don't already, then follow us on Instagram at Book Recos for, funnily enough, more book recommendations. See you next week. We'll be here.